James chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 5 through 11 today. 5 through 11. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and it braideth not and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A devil minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he's made low because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. The title of the message today is simply wisdom in trials. I think we live in a day and age that I would call a knowledge explosion. Everything revolves around knowing, knowing what's happening, knowing what's in and what's out, knowing what's hot and what's not, knowing the lay of the land, how to act and what to wear and what to say and what to post. We always want to be in the know. I think social media has contributed to that. One author has gone so far as to describe the seven stages of knowledge in a man's life. He calls it the stages of knowing and not knowing. I found it humorous. He said the first stage is this, not knowing what's going on and not knowing that you don't know. It's like you're living in a blissful ignorance. It's like the toddlers in our nursery right now. They don't even know what they don't know. I would love to live in that way. Unfortunately, I don't agree with that. The second stage is not knowing what's going on and knowing that you don't know. He, he says that takes place about the time you go to school and notice that the other kids are laughing at you. you. You realize you've done something really silly, but you don't know what it was. The third stage is this, knowing what's not knowing what's going on, but pretending to know. This happens when you and your friends share misinformation and laugh at the new kids who are still back at stage two. You're still dumb as them. But at least you feel superior because you act like it. The fourth stage is this, knowing what's going on. They say this, this stage occurs somewhere in your mid-20s. Uh, it's a time when you're perfectly clued in to all the new trends and all the new fads. When you've seen all the new movies, you've read the latest bestsellers, you're in perfect sync with your culture. This stage lasts about 15 minutes. <laughs> then comes the fifth stage, not knowing what's going on and wishing you did. This comes over you in your 30s. One day you notice that you're the only one at the party with pleated pants. <laughs> or, or that your tie is too wide. Or that you're the only woman with butterfly clips in your hair. And you wonder, when did life pass me by? I didn't even know I was behind. The sixth stage is this. Not knowing what's going on and not caring. Most of middle age is like this. You kind of get used to being not with it. Finding out what, what, what is up to date isn't quite as important as remembering where you left your cell phone. The final stage is the best. Not knowing what's going on and being glad that you don't. Not only can you no longer name the, the top 10 tunes, but you've never even heard of the people screeching them. 
You can pick a magazine up from the, the checkout line in the grocery store. You don't even recognize anybody's face on the front cover. They say when you get to this stage, you don't even know the difference between Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel because you've gone to bed before either of them has come to, on TV. That's a great place to live. In terms of pop culture, not knowing what's going on is no big deal. Really isn't. But in terms of what God may be doing in our lives, especially during a trial, can matter a whole lot. I mean, if there's anything I want to know, it's what God is up to when he puts me through a difficult season. Sometimes during a trial, during a difficult season of our life, we have this feeling of, and it's terrible, but it's this feeling of not knowing what's going on. We wonder, God, my spouse and I aren't getting along or, or my child is acting up or my parents are being difficult or I'm having problems with my boss. God, can you tell me why? God, I can't get well or I'm stuck in a job I don't like or my car seems to need a new repair every month. You, you tell me that you're up to something good in my life, but God, I don't see what you're getting at here. God, I can't get caught up with paying my bills. I'm no longer... I'm no closer to marriage than I was a year ago. Or my, teacher, my teenager hates me right now. God, you want me to persevere. But it'd be a lot easier to persevere in this trial if you told me why I'm going through this. If you told me what you were getting after in my life. In our message last, well, it's been two weeks ago now, we learned that when God takes us through a trial, he's trying to refine our faith. He's trying to remove any area of, of immaturity or spiritual deficiency in us. He, he's trying to get us to the point where nothing is lacking, James chapter 1 and verse 4. Now, if that's the truth, if God takes us through difficulty to remove areas of immaturity or spiritual deficiency in us, we should all be asking ourselves this question. What is it in me that's immature? are incomplete that God needs to work on. We should all ask ourselves, in the midst of a trial, what am I lacking that he has to send a trial to my address? If that's your question, here's the good news. God is absolutely ready and willing to tell you. If you want to know what area of godliness he's forming in you through a trial, he's ready to let you know. He wants to give you that kind of wisdom. And James tells us how we can get it. A very simple outline today. Two ways, two ways that you can get God's wisdom for your difficulty. Would you look at verse five again? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Here's the first way to get God's wisdom for your trial. Ask for it. Ask God for wisdom. Here's why I love the book of James. It's simple. It's straightforward. He doesn't waste words. If you need wisdom for your trial, all you got to do is ask for it. And listen, there's no special formula. There's no special words you need to utter to God. You just pray and you say something like this. God, I don't know what you're up to. I can't see how this is going to be a, a real benefit in my life. So God, please show me. Please give me wisdom to understand what you're doing in me through this trial. And what's interesting about this word ask in verse 5 is that the tense of the verb implies that this isn't a one-time prayer. 
It's a process of prayer, meaning the process of asking God for wisdom is, is not one time. It has to be repeated over and over. So James, in essence, is saying this. You want to know what God's up to? Then you pray, God, give me wisdom. And then you pray it again. And you pray it again. And you pray it Again, I see sometimes we read a verse like this, a promise like this, and we have a sense of false expectation. If I pray and ask God for wisdom, then it's going to fall out of the sky just like that. And when it doesn't, then we're going to look at the Bible and say the Bible lied. But that's not how wisdom works. We know that from the book of wisdom, Proverbs. Wisdom is a pursuit, not an achievement. We don't get a trophy because we prayed one time and now we got wisdom. We chase after wisdom. We apply ourselves to know wisdom. We, we pursue wisdom in prayer. And James says when we do, God will give it to us. It's a promise we can be assured of. And here's the good news. The assurance of this promise is anchored in God's character. Are you studying with me? The verse says that God will give us wisdom liberally. And he won't upbraid us when we ask. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that God will give us wisdom liberally and, and, and he won't upbraid us in the process? Well, it has two nuances. One is dealing with the amount of wisdom that God will give us. And the other is dealing with the attitude with which God will give it to us. So James is telling us how much wisdom God will give us and how happy he is to do it. So James says he's going to give to you liberally. That word liberal, that shouldn't be a strange word to us. Do you know how our town got that name? Some of you do. Water was scarce. Ranchers and settlers in, in southwest Kansas thought it was fair to charge for their water, but not one man named Seymour Rogers. When people asked him how much he charged for water, he said, my water is free, to which people would reply, that's mighty liberal of you. Hence, we got the name liberal Kansas because one man was open-handed, generous, liberal with his water. That's God's posture. When we ask for wisdom, he's not like this. Oh, you better ask 32 times. He's like, ask, ask, ask. I want to give. My wisdom's free. You just got to ask for it. God's like, I want to tell you everything you know in order to grow. I want to if you'll just keep asking. But he's not just generous. He's gracious when he gives it. He upbraids us not. You know what that means? God doesn't get on to you for asking. Parents, you ever gotten to your kids, gotten on to your kids just for asking a question? Are, are any of you parents, are you in that stage with your kids where they ask why for everything? I think it's somewhere in the Bible that if they ask why at least three times, you can just hit them upside the head. For, for every three times they ask why, they get one swift kick in the britches, right? For real, that challenges, that challenges us as parents. Have you ever had a teacher that made you feel kind of stupid for asking a question? Like, you should have known that. Have you ever had a boss that got impatient with you? He was, he, he was unapproachable. You were just curious. But he made you feel like a novice for asking. On the other hand, have you ever had a teacher that made you feel like you could ask her for anything at any time? It was the same question 13 times and she never even felt exasperated. You never even sensed you were wearing your teacher out. Your questions were always welcomed and handled with a gracious spirit. If you get that picture in your mind, that's how God responds to your request for wisdom. 
He never finds fault. He, he never gets irritated. He, he doesn't rebuke you. He doesn't get short with you. He doesn't roll his eyes at you. He has a gracious attitude with you. So ask. Ask. You say, okay, God gives liberally. And he doesn't get on to me for asking. He says, I'm going to get wisdom. What does that look like, though? Because it's kind of vague. Ask and I'll give you wisdom. Okay, what, is, what am I looking for here? Well, I think wisdom comes in a couple ways. I think, first of all, it can come through the words of somebody around you. Wisdom can come through a close family member. Wisdom can come through a friend. It can come in weird ways. Somebody around you might say something like this. You always do that. I wish you would stop doing that. Why in the world do you always act like that? Are you ever going to change? And you might say, there's no wisdom in that. Oh, there could be wisdom in that. God could be using the words of a frustrated spouse. Or, 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 or a, 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 an adult child that feels neglected. Or a teenager that feels taken advantage of. Or a friend that feels unpopular. Someone in your life that sees something in you and they get exasperated by what they see in you and you treat them like, oh, they're overreacting. That could be the very wisdom God's trying to impart. You see this? It's not magical. It's not mystical. God uses very practical means to get across the wisdom that he has for you. And it might dawn on you, oh, that's what God's trying to get me to realize through this. It might also uh, come whenever you, you go to a trusted friend or godly spiritual leader and you say listen I'm going through this trial I'm going through this difficulty and I just I need your counsel I'm not seeing what God is after did you know there's probably at least somebody one person in your life at least one person in your life that 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 can see the areas in you that need matured but they're not going to tell you until you ask do you know that the 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 reason so many of us don't grow is because we never solicit feedback and we get defensive when we hear it. And if you would solicit feedback from the person who knows you best and loves you the most, they probably are just withholding information that they feel like you need because they don't want to offend. So ask, ask, go get wisdom, go get it. Another means through which God departs wisdom is through his word, through his word. This is a book of wisdom. Sometimes you're reading the Bible and something just pops off the page at you. That is God saying, you asked for it, I'm giving it to you. Sometimes a sermon is preached and you're you're thinking in your mind, did he follow me around all week long? That's God saying, you've been asking all week for it. So on Sunday, I gave it to you. Which tells me that when you're going through a trial, you better have God's word opened. It would be foolish to say, God, give me wisdom, but then keep your Bible closed. It'd be foolish to say, God, give me wisdom, but don't come to church because you're bitter about your trial. My point is simple. Wisdom doesn't fall from the trees. It comes from the word of God. It comes from the mouth of people that love you. It comes from from the life of somebody that sees what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. You want wisdom? Ask for it. Go get it. God will give it to you generously and graciously. But James doesn't stop there. Look at verses six through eight. There's one more thing. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. I'll I'll stop there. Here's the second way 
that you can get wisdom for your trial. Second way, you ask God for wisdom and then you trust him to give it to you. So I want you to pay attention to this. This will help the text come alive a little bit. There's a natural progression here, okay? First, James talks about trials. And he makes this point. Trials demand wisdom. If you're going through a trial, you got to have wisdom to get through. Then he teaches that wisdom demands prayer. If you want, if you want wisdom, you got to ask for it. Now he teaches us that prayer demands faith. You need to be a believing Christian when you pray. You need to say something like this. God, I want wisdom to know what you're doing in my life through this trial because I believe by faith that you're doing this for a good purpose in my life. You, you can't go to God like this. Come on, Lord. Why are you doing this? Huh? Tell me. I thought you loved me. I thought you were for me. I thought you had my back. I'm going to church. I'm loving my spouse. I'm investing in my kids. I'm working hard. I'm giving. I'm serving. I'm praying. So God, is this really fair that you're making me go through this? When can we just get rid of it? Listen, friend, that's argumentative. That's defiant. That's, that's rebellious. If we come in that spirit, we're obviously in no mood for God to point out the ways in which we're deficient. We aren't in a posture to receive his wisdom. We just want to get out of the trial. Like an angry child or, or a rebellious teenager who doesn't want to hear what their parent has to say. So it is with us if we come to God doubting his goodness and purposes in our life. All we want to do is vent to him but not listen. James teaches us that, that if we doubt that God is doing something good through our trial, we're not going to get an answer. We will not get direction. We'll never find out what is happening so that we can cooperate with it. Instead, he says, you're going to be like a wave of the sea. You're going to lash out in all directions. You're going to be tossed this way first. Then your trial is going to toss you that way first. And you're going to be just wibbly wobbly throughout your life. He even said this, you'll be devil minded. That means if you're doubting God's goodness in your life through this trial, you're going to be unable to decide whether God is working something good in your life or he's out to get you. One minute you're going to trust God and the next you're going to be blaming God. And God says, that's the result of not believing in my good purposes for your life. You're, you're going to just be this way and that way and this way and that way. And I will. He said, don't expect to receive anything from me. Here's my point. Settle in your mind that God is working good in your life. Settle it. Settle in your mind that he's in control no matter what's happening right now. Settle it in your heart that his goal is to bring you to maturity and completeness. Don't ever doubt that. Come to God with a trusting, believing heart, willing to hear his wisdom and to persevere with him until he's accomplished his good purposes in your life. Then and only then will God be happy to give you the wisdom that you need to grow through your trial. So you ask God for wisdom, then you trust him for it. Very straightforward. And what James does to end our portion of the text 
is he gives a couple quick examples of the kind of wisdom that God will give in a trial. And, and he speaks directly to a common trial that his readers would have faced. And that's a lack of financial stability due to them having to leave their careers and their homes as a result of being persecuted for their faith. If you're struggling with financial stability today, you're going to relate with this specific trial that he mentions. Because the, the first example, I hope you're studying with me. The first example is of someone who's gone a long time without having money. You know what they feel like? Someone whose finances for too long have been unbelievably tight. I mean, years on end and they just can't get caught up or get ahead. Look at verse nine. Let the brother of low degree, the poor man, rejoice in that he is exalted. So think about it this way. The poor man may go through this trial. He, he lives paycheck to paycheck and those paychecks still aren't enough. And so he asks God for wisdom. Lord, why? I work hard. But, but one thing or another comes up. I, I believe you're doing something, but, but for some reason you've kept us on a thin edge economically for a long time. The poor man may ask, God, do you still see something that needs to form in us? I'm asking for wisdom, Lord. I'm trusting your goodness and your sovereignty, but can you show me? And the answer comes back to the poor man. I want you to be more impressed, God says, with the eternal riches that I've given you. You're low economically, but you're exalted spiritually. And I want the high and exalted position that I've given you for eternity to fill your thoughts more than a paycheck. I want you to take pride in, in, in the fact that you see being my child as the greatest honor of your life. More than you're chasing after money. That's the first example. Going without money for a long time. What God may be working on is a greater joy over our eternal riches. Then James gives us his second example. Someone who's lost a lot of money in the last few years. You been there? I'm losing some retirement money right now. Thank you, Russia. They were wealthy, but their income has dropped. They were wealthy, but property values have fallen. They were wealthy, but investments have turned sour and retirement is shaky. That's the second example. Look at verse 10. But the rich in that he is made low are poor. Now watch this. Because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof uh, falleth and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his Get this. The rich man who all of a sudden becomes poor may ask God in his trial, God, everywhere I look, my finances are unraveling. I have never experienced this. I grew up in a wealthy home. I've got a bachelor's degree. I've got a career. I've saved and you're letting all of this disappear. Is there something you're trying to tell me? I trust your goodness. I know you're in charge. But God, this hurts. Can you give me wisdom? And the answer comes back. I want you to realize my child. More deeply 
that it's what you do for eternity that matters most. My child, God whispers, I don't want your life to be so caught up in your business, in your career, in your home, in your car, in your clothes, in your vacations, in your child's success, in your comfort, because all those things disappear. They all perish. None of them matter all that much. What really matters, and God is giving wisdom to the rich man who's now poor. He says, what really matters is what you're doing for me that will last for eternity. That's the second example. Losing a lot of money in a short period of time. What God may be working on is a greater realization that ultimately all these things don't matter near as much as preparing your soul for eternity. You see how the wisdom of God can speak into our lives during a trial if you ask? You see that? And it doesn't have to be a financial trial. It can be any kind of trial that you're going through today. Listen, friend, God's wisdom is available for you. You can know what God is up to in your life if you'll just ask him in faith. Suppose you could sum up the message with this thesis statement and I'm done. God will give you wisdom for your trial when you ask for it with a believing heart. That's it. I know it's straightforward. That's why I like James. I mean, the cookies are on the bottom shelf, friend. God will give you wisdom for your trial when you ask for it with a believing heart. So where we could be falling short today in our trial is either we're not asking at all or we're asking with a doubting heart. If you're not asking at all, then you need to be more curious as to what God is up to. You need to be like, God, this isn't just you being mean or this isn't just a result of a sin-cursed world. You're up to something in my life. What is it? And when you ask him, don't come to him with a sense of entitlement. Don't come to him bitter and angry. Say, God, I trust you. It's hard, but I trust you. Please give me your wisdom. Pastor H.B. Charles tells a story about a man who was given a tour in heaven in, in this dream that he had. As the tour ended, he noticed a particular building that was skipped over. The angel warned the man that he did not want to see what was in that building. Of course, that only heightened the man's curiosity. So so he insisted the angel show him. It was a building filled with beautifully wrapped presents. When the curious man asked what these were, the angel answered, these were gifts God had prepared for his children that were never claimed in prayer. Did you hear me? Gifts that God intended for his children to unwrap, but they never asked for them. Pastor Charles said this, if a building in heaven houses unclaimed gifts, many boxes would contain the unwanted gift of wisdom. When facing trials, we pray for provision, healing, strength, protection, intervention, miracles, deliverance, and many other things besides wisdom. And how true is that? You know what we typically pray? God, get me out of this trial. When we should be praying, God, what do you have for me in this trial? When we should be praying, God, help me to get everything I can out of this trial. We're asking God to bail us out. 
when we need God to make us strong and wise. If you're going through a difficulty, can I challenge you during this invitation time? Find an altar today and just ask God for it. If you're battling in your mind, why am I going through the same thing over and over and over? Why? It could be because you've not yet learned what God wants you to learn. And God is saying, I'm going to keep stretching you until you break. I'm going to keep trying you until I can refine that faith. I'm going to keep putting the gold in the fire and putting it under the heat until I can abstract all the impurities out of it. So you might as well submit. You might as well just ask, God, show me what it is. And I'm going to believe you for it. I'm going to believe you for it. And that's when you'll see God saying, ah, they finally asked. And I can't wait to show them everything I have for them in this trial. Don't leave the gift of wisdom unwrapped today. God wants to give it to you. Stand to your feet.